0: Welcome, welcome, my lovies, to Faces of Postpartum, the podcast season two. I'm Ariane Ote, writer, photographer, advocate, and founder of the project. In this podcast, I feature postpartum stories from parents, informal discussions with friends about parenthood, and interviews with passionate providers and experts. Everything here is honest, raw, and heartfelt. So stick around one more time for some unfiltered talks about the postpartum period. It's always an honor to have you here. Okay, so wait. hi. Oh hi! Here we go. Here we go. Take, take, take the microphone from your child. Did uh, you uh,
1: just take? Feet. Just take the microphone from KJ. Okay. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. We're, uh, we're in your house. I was gonna say we're like I'm now inspired to do my podcast from the sofa because you look great. You're so relaxed. You're like mm. laid back on the sofa. You've got your iPad. Yeah, I'm like my little notes. I'm here with KJ. I'm like okay. Why not Why doesn't mommy do this podcast setup? I
0: like this. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself, because since you are a public figure, can I say that? You yeah, are a yeah. Yeah. You are. I put it all out there. I'm a public figure. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to let
1: you tell me who you are, in your own words. My God. I, no, no pressure. No pressure. Right. Who am I? Who the hell am I today? Okay. Well, my name is Sarah Fraser. I am a public figure, so people probably know me best in the D.C. area from radio, long longtime radio personality, TV personality, podcaster, and comedian. Now, the comedian needs, part needs work. So I feel like I have many, I do many things. I have mm-hmm. many titles, right? Like, I love, I, I have career ADD. I love doing many different things. Um, I've done everything. I've been a true crime podcaster. I tried to be a reporter. That didn't really work. Um mostly because I don't like serious news, I don't like serious or depressing news. Oh my God. I don't, and nothing is what you know people are obsessed with true crime podcasts, and I'm sure you and I would have like even bigger ratings if we just did every true crime story. but nothing to me is more depressing than talking about the murder of someone's family member like yeah. the most depressing day of their life, you know, so. I so I am, I, you know, I'm a media personality and a comedian and aspiring talk show host. That's what I want to do. TV or TV. I love television. Like Drew Bear. Li- I like Drew's show. Yeah. Probably a little edgier. I feel like I might be like Sarah Springer. I might be like Jerry Springer's female counterpart because I like people, like, I like real stuff, right? You know, we know tons of people are cheating on their significant others. I had a woman on my podcast, the Sarah Fraser show. She suns her butthole for energy. Like, I need that kind of stuff in my life, you, you know? Can you that? What? She suns her butthole for energy. Okay. Her yoni. So she... Oh, yes. Now I understand. Yes, I've seen that. I've listened to she it, actually. She spreads her legs to the sun, and she just lays there every day for like two minutes, and she says it gives her incredible energy. So and the I'm, same way you recharge crystal in the moonlight, you can recharge
0: your body <laughs> with your butthole in the sun. Solar, solar.
1: I got to tell you, she looks great.
0: There's there's a, a wordplay to, to do with that. Okay, let's work on this. Yeah. Yeah. So Mara is also here with me once again. I think I, I think we're just going to make you a recurrent. I know, Mara, you might need a microphone yeah. for this. Yeah, I think I, I'll work something out for next time. Is that okay? You feel seen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, And so you put your life out there a lot. Yes. And... Today you're gonna put through your life even more out there. And I know you did a bird story for your patrons, which is wonderful. Yes. And I'm also very interested in hearing you more talk about your postpartum period, which you did very recently, very briefly too. And I have a couple of questions regarding that, but I want you to tell us
1: first. So you're six months in. Six months in. Well Where are you? Well, much better now. I don't know if you guys felt this way. Like the six month mark was a big turning point of feeling a lot better mentally, physically. Well, of course, you know, I'm a geriatric mama too, you know, so I, I'm I over 35. It's so-, <laughs> it's so fucked up. But, but, you know, I didn't know if I ever wanted to have kids. So then, you know, for a long, I was, I never babysat. I haven't changed a diaper prior to my son in like, tw- I mean, I had no interest in kids. I was like, Ugh, they're annoying. I want nothing to do with them. So, but then I met my husband, I turned 35 and honestly, I know that people talk biological clock, but something in me like snapped and I was like, oh my God, I have to have kids. Yeah. So we, you know, the, a little bit leading up to my postpartum journey was I actually had a molar um, pregnancy miscarriage. So I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar. It's very rare, actually. And I had never heard of it until, unfortunately, I was in the doctor's office and she was telling me this. But being over 35, you know, you have to have a high-risk specialist um, OBGYN. You usually go for one appointment. They check on things. They ask you if you want, like, a chromosome test to find out about Down syndrome and anything else. And then, you know, you go on with your pregnancy. So the first pregnancy we had, I was 37, I think. And so I was thinking everything was great. I was like 12 or 13 weeks pregnant. I'm like, oh my God, I'm having a daughter. I know it, it's fabulous. So we go into the OB, the high-risk ob And really in hindsight, I'm sure you're, you've been in situations like this, but the woman that was doing the sonogram was dead silent. And it was like such Now, looking back, I'm like, oh, because the moment she probably brought up the sonogram, she knew something was wrong. Right. But we didn't know what was wrong. So anyway, she's like, I'll I'll be right back. So the doctor comes in. She's like, I'm really sorry, but you're having this molar pregnancy miscarriage. And the baby was alive, like in the monitor. You know, he had like a heartbeat and everything. But she's like, all these cysts are growing in your placenta and your ovaries. And eventually and there's a lot of fluid around your baby's heart. You know, he's going to die at some point, or you can terminate the pregnancy. We were like, I mean, in total, you know, just like complete shock. And of course, I've become very good. My husband and I become very good friends with the OBGYN. But at the time, I was like, I think she's wrong. And she has no idea what she's talking about, you know. So we would be probably, probably, probably she's dead wrong. So we get a second opinion. And by the time we get a second opinion, the baby had passed and we had a DNC. And then from that, in very rare cases with these molar pregnancies, when you have a DNC, sometimes they don't get all of the cells, and these moles can grow back, and it forms a gestational troblastic disease, which is a form of cancer. It's one hundred percent treatable if you catch it early, but you know, it happens. and then also, in rare cases, it can hemorrhage because it begins to grow into the uterine lining anyhow. so in just like a series of crazy events, I we get the dnc the, the baby passed away in november like i never stopped bleeding this entire time so after you have a dnc if you've had one or you know any woman that has eventually like after 5 or 6 weeks you you normally stop bleeding my bleeding kept going and i would have these like pancake sized blood clots and i'm like this is not a good sign and they kept saying well let's you know let's get you in for another test and then they said to me you know you you're you've got this this just, just a disease. So you're going to need to take methotrexate shots. So, okay. To dissolve them. Right. To basically kill this like forming cancer, right? Which is a methotrexate, a form of chemo injection that they shoot into your uh, butt cheek. And it's
0: just it's like this. But you're, you're, you're going through all these
1: events like very quickly. And I'm like, yeah. this is a lot. A lot. And this kind of plays up to my postpartum journey, because the the big thing was, which we took their advice, was they were like, you need to seek therapy. Like, what you're going through is really traumatic, like, and if you want to have another baby, all these emotions, like when you do get pregnant with a healthy pregnancy, all these things are going to come back up for you. So, like, if you, you guys need to be talking about it. So my husband and I were in therapy, which was like, you know, obviously so sad. Like every time, you know, if you've ever had a miscarriage, it's like it's the it's the craziest, most empty feeling. Ugh, and then I'll start getting emotional. But anyway, it was just really sad. So we, we kept working through that. And then I'm get, getting ready to go have my methotrexate shots. And I wake up one morning and I start hemorrhaging. So if you've ever... To which I'm sure your listeners have not. They're like, "What is this woman?" And there's, there's a lot actually. Ugh. So it's like you. It's almost like you left your faucet on. Yes. You know, this like this constant stream of blood is coming out of you. So I'm like, okay, I'm hemorrhaging. Which they told me, like, don't worry, this will never happen. But, but you it can. Happened. It could happen. So I call 911 and before I know it, like I'm having a repeat DNC and a blood transfusion of two pints of blood back in, you know. And so my husband's like, oh my God, all the while we have no baby. Like there's no, there's no baby. We don't even know if we're going to be able to have a baby. So then after you go through the methotrexate shots, the, you know, the hemorrhage stopped, you know, and that was all fixed. You have to wait six months to make sure that the mole doesn't grow back. So it didn't grow back. And then thankfully, my husband and I seem to have no problems getting pregnant. And in, in August of 2020, the first time we tried, we got pregnant with KJ. So it was awesome. And, you know, we definitely had, I would say, scanxiety. I call it. Scansiety, which is every time you go for another scan and you being your husband yeah, you hold your breath. It's so traumatic. And because of everything we've been through, we went for a lot of scans. So most women, I think, go for maybe four sonograms. We went for, oh, my God. I mean, we we had a sonogram every single month, the entire pregnancy. So we probably had nine, you know. So anyway, but by the 18th 22nd week you know they were like look things are really great all the genetic. so they're like the chances of something happening now are very very tiny like you this is really the time you should enjoy it this is really really great we're obviously going to monitor you you know as we get closer so thankfully he was born did it you was ask awesome yourself to be happy and celebrate we did and like cautiously? After for me I got happy after the 18 week scan cuz that was the last one which was I think spina bifida maybe and I'm trying to think if they, there was something else they were looking mm-hmm. for. Yeah, and everything's really developed I think by 18 20 weeks so I think they could see like the chambers of the heart, the lungs. So he was like doing great and they were like this scan looks perfect like every so after that I I'm not sure if Dan did but I think for me that was like Okay. I could just relax and I I enjoyed like every minute of it until I had the C-section then I was like, "Oh, this is weird. Did you do a birth plan?" <laughs> we did it. We did no because because of our situation, they, you know, I had t- we had two OBGYNs and they were like, "Don't make a birth plan cuz we really don't, you know, we want this baby to come out as safe as possible given everything you've been through." You don't want to repeat hemorrhage. So we're going to kind of play it by ear. So sort of in the last couple of weeks, they had decided the safest thing to do based on his size was a scheduled C-section, which I highly recommend at the time. It's very easy. It's the after. (laughs) When it's happening, it's like 45 minutes. You're chilled out. And it's not an emergency. You can just wheel your little suitcase in and... And they said to me, you know, are you nervous? I was like, yeah. They're like, how about some laughing gas? I was like, that sounds fabulous. So they like, that was awesome. They hit me with the laughing gas. I was like, "Ah, this is great. And then the next thing we knew, we had a crying baby and he was awesome. And it was amazing. But then, of course, you know, you have a whole nother journey of healing Mm -hmm. after, which was like, you know, you all in the hospital. We took full advantage, so we were not in a hurry to leave. If it's like a late checkout as a hotel, so I'd like to do like the
0: four p.m.
1: Please without any additional cost. Thank Thank you very much. Well, KJ, the first night he was born, I don't know about your babies. He screamed all night long. He cried all night long. The first night, yes, yeah, he was hungry or I don't know, hated to be out of the womb or whatever. So I was like, I cannot. Like, what are we going to do with this child, Dan? Like, I. I didn't anticipate this. I thought they were like docile and slept all the time. He cried all night. So the nurses felt bad for us. So they would take him down to the nursery a lot. Yeah, they did that with mine too. They were like, don't worry, just get some rest. So I'm like, I don't want to go home. Who's going to take him down to the nursery? <laughs> Who's going to care for him?
2: <laughs> so yeah. we stayed in during
1: COVID. So you couldn't have anybody. Right. Oh, the only, no one came. But actually, I liked that. It was nice to not have like our parents. It was nice to not have a lot of people. Yeah. It was good. So it was good despite COVID, the hospital and the whole thing. We had a great experience. Yeah. We didn't, um, and at the time I wasn't vaccinated. My husband was vaccinated.
0: So it was, it was good. Speaking of which, feeding. Want to talk about that? Because you've been pretty open with this journey, open ish, with this journey of milking and giving milk to your baby
1: and How was it? Well, I would never breastfeed again. My next child, I'm going to go, don't even bother to send in a lactation woman. Just give me the formula.
0: (laughs) Did you feel like you had to?
1: Um, Well, I did I feel like I had to? You know, I have to say a lot of women, my own mother included, was like, don't beat yourself up. Just give them the formula. So I don't know I had a, a lot of women being like do what you want. We we had a great a really sweet lactation specialist who came in and really like sold us on the the benefits. And really my husband who I adore but he was the one that was like stick with it. We want to like let's like we want to breastfeed our child and I'm like schman we- get your tits out here and <laughs> start Where doing was it.
0: your your lactation process during the whole because they can't do that. Go through like they Induce lactation. It's not gonna be as much as, you know, if you're female, but yeah, he could have gone through that. Well next time he's doing it. I mean if, if you you wanna go through that.
1: Good luck yet. Yeah. Good luck. No, it was, you know, I think I didn't realize being a new mom that your first like 10 days are really when you can kickstart your milk production. So I didn't do that. By the time I did, I had such little milk production and he's such a big baby. It was, it was very slow. So I did it for like three, three and a half months. I wanted to give him the immunity of the vaccine because mm-hmm. I'd had that. And then after that I quit and he's been great so on formula. feet for... We mixed feed for three months and then we went solely to formula. Probably for the three month mark. Yeah. Yeah. And you felt good about it? I did. I really did. I mean, I I didn't feel like people judged. I mean, I you know, I really didn't. I didn't feel I guess my OBGYN was great. She was like, I I formula fed my kids, and you know what? I had a really one of my listeners wrote to me, and she's like, "I'm a fifth grade teacher, and I've been teaching fifth grade for twelve years, and she's like, I could never tell you the breastfed kids from the formula fed kids. So do what's best." And I thank her to this day. I loved that message because I thought, you know what? You're right. Doesn't mind. They, they, nobody knows. I mean, I know it's better for their immune system and keeps them. They're all. They're all going to be eating chicken nuggets, so that inspired me and you know i i feel like i never even answered your postpartum
0: question you have i asked you about nursing you said you were doing better right now six-month mark for me it was the opposite five-month mark this is when i got hospitalized win a psychiatry ward because this is when my like i had gone downhill and it was my my mark which is the mark of a lot of of human who will deal with postpartum depression and I, I'm, I'm happy I have a therapist in the room so I don't say something that doesn't make any sense but yeah I think like the four month four or five months is a, a lot of people really? their, their symptoms just get really acute and this is kind of when you realize there's an issue underlying issue that is a little bigger so I'm happy that it was not the case for you because that's nice
1: okay what was your catalyst because I will say I have never had anxiety ever until having a child. And then I literally, and this is probably the post you saw, I would be like, especially when he was so little, I was like, Mm. I can't go outside. Tree could fall on us. I could, what if I trip? I drop him on his head or his face. I Even we have this tiny balcony, right? And I would just sometimes go out there and sit like just to get fresh air. But I would actually be so anxiety ridden to take him out there because I'm like, What if the legs of the balcony fall off while we're on it? Or, I mean, I even had, like, I can understand how women hurt themselves. Like, I had visions of myself jumping over the balcony, like, with him. And I'd be like, what are you, stop. Like, I knew, like, yeah, yeah. what's it, what's it?
2: Intrusive. Yeah, go ahead. Um, It's called Intrusive Thoughts. Yes. Okay. It has, it has a name. So, like. 90 percent of the population has intrusive thoughts. It's like, I don't know about you, but every time I drive over the Bay Bridge, I'm like, what would happen if If I drove off? Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't do it. And I like go to the beach and come back. Yes. So many, many new moms have intrusive thoughts. It's when it starts messing with your functioning, like I'm no longer now going to go out on the balcony. Do you know what I mean? Or like that's when we look at it a little bit differently if it starts affecting your functioning.
1: I totally had intrusive thoughts of most, him falling most, off the balcony. Yeah. So let's
2: normalize that. You're not yeah. going crazy. This is a normal function of the postpartum period. Oh, my God. Okay, that's so good to know because I did think... Thank you, Mark.
0: Passing the mic. But that's interesting because I in, in your in your podcast, you say something like, I don't know if anybody else had these thoughts. and And I was like, yeah, pretty much like, Everybody, like yeah. 90% of us do have these thoughts and they're like super normal. And I'm like, I can't believe in 2021. This is when we are, right? Yeah. I know. I, I We're gets 22. I, I know. 21, <laughs> 1999. We still haven't normalized that. And I know there's a lot of normalized that, but seriously, normalize it because- Sometimes it's more damaging to think that you're going crazy than to just be like, oh, yeah, I was aware that this could happen. So here's the thing. I have this thought about jumping off the balcony and I will not do it. And I know in my case, having the thought and not knowing that it was normal triggered the anxiety to go like 10 times worse because I was like, I am such a shit to think that Uh. I'm such a piece of shit that I deserve to die because I thought that. What? So wow. it's just, it can be incredibly damaging to think that it's not normal. It is. And it is. There's, I, I, I don't know what's causing that. Probably hormones. Go ahead.
2: Borrow what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because you're doing a risk assessment that you haven't had to do before, right? Like yeah. never going on the balcony was not, I mean, you just like went out there and had a right. glass of wine and carried on or walked down the street or whatever. And now all of a sudden there's like this new risk associated with everything and We don't know how to associate what's real or not, right? Like, yeah. And the more you think about it, like if I told you, whatever you do, don't think about, you know, a bunny with a top hat. Well, now all we're thinking about is a frigging bunny with a top hat the whole time. Yeah. So now we're like, okay, I'm not going to think about going out on the balcony with the kid and jumping off. Well, now that's all you're thinking about. So it's a risk assessment plus like a brain function situation plus no sleep plus, right? Yeah. Sleep. Because you meant you talk about that—the the lack of sleep, the fact that
0: you felt you were going crazy when you were sleep deprived—I'm gonna get comfy. Here. Get comfy.
1: Put your feet up. Put
0: the, put the speed up. Yes, there please.
1: Kick them up. Oh That's what goodness. this sofa's <laughs> for. Yes. Yep.
0: Um, how's your sleep now? Because I think I didn't want to say it, but when I heard like, "Yeah, he just turned two months, and he's sleeping like stretches of five, six hours," and I was like,
1: soap fuck? Fuck on that so amazing." Does he still well, sleep? He he does. I oh, hate good. to tell you this, but no, but celebrate that. This is awesome. Oh well, thank you. You know what? All right, I'm going to celebrate it. And then my husband and I go. This is what they. This is how they trick you to yeah. baby number God. two. Because I'm like, the sucker it's the seat. sucker baby. Because I already like. If I could get pregnant tomorrow, I would get pregnant tomorrow. Like I love being a mom. I like. I want another baby so bad. And he, I, I. I hate to tell you this, but he will literally sleep nine to five. Like we don't hear from him until 5am. And it. he has like a soaked diaper. So I, I, I don't know if I would be recovering mentally from all these things. Like it, not that it can't pop up again. Right. So, so today I'm good, but who knows, right. Another month from now, cause it, I know the postpartum journey is a while, but I think because he sleeps well, it's a little bit easier to get a, a handle on some of your mental thoughts if that makes any sense for me for sense. me
0: yeah mara told me once that even if her training said that it was not the first question the first question she asks her patient is do you sleep how do you sleep because as as you mentioned this is often the only thing the only resource the person can control or can manage and so it's like so fundamentally important and the sleep deprivation people forget that it's torture like it's yeah. literally torture and it will mess up with your brain and your body. So good for you. Also, you you said you didn't have anxiety before. So there's you know, you have to take in consideration all the family history and your own history before, you know. You do thinking, Oh, maybe next time it's you know, maybe next time but maybe not. And, yes. You know, statistically, probably not. So this is good.
1: Yeah. I, I you know, I mean, I, I think like everybody, like I've had tragedies in my family and things like that. So I think sometimes I, I definitely have anxiety about like losing a family member. So, so it's not like I've been like totally anxiety free, but I've never had anxiety where I've thought about going out on a balcony, you know, or, or, you know, yeah, you, I've driven over a bridge and you like for a minute, you panic, like, what would it be like if I drove up? You know, you kind of like, okay, no, no, you, you catch yourself. But I've never I had. Still have those every day.
0: Really? When you're when you're like I've jailed disorder of anxiety all my life, and I didn't know what it was until I was a mom. So basically, becoming a mom became a gift in a way that yeah. I, I'm able to notice like, oh, it's just this is just how my brain works. I will have these intrusive thoughts of stabbing myself, <laughs> or like yeah. thinking, oh, I will just fall. These are just things they won't, they don't. Make me not function anymore, which, when you're sleep deprived and hormonal and all these things, can is just like. And it's interesting because when you said I was able to go take a walk, and then suddenly after with the six week mark, and suddenly like the world opened. Yeah. This is massive, you know. You know your tools, you know. And I think this is a this might be a good thing to be a geriatric. I can't say the word, mom. I they need to fucking change that anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dad. I don't you know how to make yourself feel better. You know your tools or you know better. Of course, you're not, you're never fully
1: prepared to welcome a kid, but, but. Oh, I think I think emotional evolution helps so much, right? I mean, because some people are emotionally involved when they're 26. But for my husband and I, I think later in life, having a kid was so great because we'd gone to therapy together. Mm-hmm. We'd been through this kind of traumatic experience together, losing our first baby. Like, I think. I don't know. I think we were we were much more patient with our bodies, with ourselves and planning. Like I just knew I mean, I was working from home. I knew it was going to take a while to feel better. You know, I, yeah, I, I think age kind of gives you some wisdom sometimes when it comes to kids. It doesn't give you the energy. I wish I was, I wish I was like 26 energy, but level wise. Yeah. yeah. Did you do you think the pandemic
0: helped in the sense that you had to focus? You knew you had to focus on your mental health before having kids.
1: I mean, I actually I, loved I, I, the pandemic you know, because, because it made me stay home being yeah. pregnant. I mean, if it wasn't the pandemic uh, before the pandemic, I was running around doing so much shit. I hope we can curse. I've been cursing the entire time. You don't care, do you? It's a podcast. It's literally anyway. like I don't even tag my
0: podcast explicit. The whole podcast oh is tagged ex- explicit. Like, you know, sure. an album you used to buy. And there was like, yes, a little the explicit like, mark history. at the bottom. Yep. I bought all the uh, explicit oh, of ones. Of course. That was, like, the, the, the thing that brought me to them.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mom's going to hate that. Who wants the non-explicit one? Uh, Except the Spice Girls. I fucking love them. I, oh, I love the Spice Girls, too. Oh, my God. They're amazing. Okay, another tangent, but I love to the pandemic. It actually forced me to realize I was doing a lot of things that I didn't want to be doing. I did a lot of things for money and I was like, this is so, I'm just so overdoing this. It's exhausting. Uh, And I'm talking like about, you know, I've been building my podcast business, but there's just things that I've done that didn't serve me, right? Like committing to do a client event when I'm like, this client event is never going to work, you know, like meaning Before the pandemic, I think now people want to get out and do things. But before the pandemic, when we had choices to do so many things. It was very, very hard to get people to come to your event to, I don't know, taste coffee. You know, I mean, like, so I would do so much. I would run myself ragged doing all these things. And the pandemic gave me this amazing, like, (gasps) I don't want to be doing any of these things. And by the way, now I'm pregnant, so I have the best excuse. I don't have to... It was good. I am such an extrovert. I loved it because it was great for me to hit pause for a year and a half and just stop socializing all the time.
0: This is amazing.
1: I I loved it. so
0: foreign. Like, this is... I know. This is so foreign, and I'm just fascinated. I'm just fascinated by you. I'm looking at you, (laughs) and I'm like, this is amazing. Well, I've... We have two small children. When this, yeah, when the pandemic hit, it's I wouldn't a be different. this
1: cheery. Yeah, I wouldn't be this cheery if, if KJ still, were already. I think you
0: have like a very. Uh, I hope it's not um, negative to say that a pity the pity
1: kind of happy demeanor. Like you just, seem I like do. A happy person. I, I am. I, I mean, I'm a, always an optimist. Always have been forever. Like I always and and I hate saying no to people. I love saying yes to people. I love bringing people joy by coming to their events or doing these things, but. At some point, it doesn't serve you. And for me, the pandemic was like, I know for lots of people, it was very isolating, but I actually just, I feel like I had been, I had burnt myself out. You were able to refocus on people. Pandemic.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really nice. But you know, everybody says it like the Tim Ferriss of this world. They're all like, you got to say no. That's your biggest asset. It's, they're, yeah. they're right. I hate that they're right because I know. they're so annoyingly right often. <laughs> just go back to your cold yeah. shower. Yeah. Jesus.
1: Get back in your ice tub. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, the the freezer thing. They all get in these like ice baths now. Uh I'm like, who the fuck wants to do that? Like, why is that? uh, It's actually fucking nice. Is it? Yeah, I'm a Canadian, and we used to do like sauna. Oh, well, sauna. I
0: was doing uh, plunge, cold plunge, and then uh, steam bath, cold plunge, and because we go outside in the snow, in in literally the river in the winter, it's amazing. It's amazing. It gives you like an electric shock. Gives you like. You can also just go outside in the snow. Canadian. Yeah, naked, but naked. Okay. All right, now I got to try it, see? Yep. Yeah. yeah, this is definitely something you, you, you can try. I, and I, I think there have some some facilities here where it's all, like, built in one. So you don't have to do it at your own oh, home. All right, I'm going to do that. Yeah. You want to talk about postpartum body?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, that's been the hard one, too. Right? Your whole body looks so different. And it takes so long I don't know. My body hasn't even really shifted. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I I lost like the 10 pounds when he was born. And then I swear I haven't lost another ounce. I probably gained weight. I'm like, what? What's going on? Is this a struggle?
0: I know it sounds like a a shitty question because you, you talk so openly and open heartedly about it.
1: Well, you know, I love I've done a lot of work on my body, a lot of work on, you know, loving myself and giving up dieting. And I'm a huge proponent of, you know, coming to peace with your body. And, you know, some people diets do work for them, but for most of us, they don't. They fail for like 90, 95 percent of people. (laughs) So that ain't many that it works for. So, you know, I spend so much of my life on a diet in the public eye. You know, people comment about your weight. And so I went to a mindful eating therapist several years. She changed my life completely. And I, I give her credit, like, all kinds of happiness that I've had has come from really not giving a fuck anymore what people think about my body and living my life healthy, you know, and the irony is I eat a lot of fast food and junk and binged on all kinds of crap. And then once you begin to really get in tune with what your body wants, I mean, our bodies naturally sugars like a chemical, you know, a dopamine. But once you realize chemically what foods do to you, too, and you start making healthier choices, it's almost like it it snowballs, right? You could take like now I can't really eat. If I eat fast food, like my stomach would be a mess for days. Like I can't even really do it. But I, I've been in this great place with my body until having a kid. And I will say it is very d- difficult. I, I Every couple of days, I just look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I hate where my post, you know, all your clothes, your previous clothes don't fit. Right. You look at other pictures of yourself and you're like, oh, my God, I was so like skinny then. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I when <laughs> I first thought I was fat. Yes. Yes. I know that feeling. So I have to talk to myself, like talking through the postpartum anxiety, like you just gave birth to this beautiful, healthy baby who was nine pounds. This took you nine months. Prior to that, you had a form of cancer. Like you have to like give yourself
0: a break. You
1: and then before that you were pregnant. Like it's been two years like you. This is going to take a long time. So when I come back to that, I'm like, all right. What am I going to do today to be healthy and not focus on the weight? And then you guys know the irony of life is like you wake up a a year later and you're like, oh, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I won't change weights. But all I care about is being healthy and I want to have another kid. So I want to do everything to be healthy, to have that other child. That's like it.
2: I had a reframe recently, too, because someone was talking about when your kids are little, what they really need from you is like a soft place. To land, right, oh, yeah. so that actually having sort of some softness in your body is is really profound for the, for the kids. I never heard that. Well, then I'm gonna stay fluffy, or like- I'm gonna stay fluffy
1: for KJ. <laughs> stay soft. Well, it's
0: you say that, but the other day, my almost five years old, we were on the, um, I was in the bed, and she was just like. Playing with my tummy and, you know, like (laughs) stretching the skin and all these things. And she's like, oh, mama, I can't wait to be old like you so I can be, I think she actually used the word fluffy or soft (laughs) or like you. It looks like pizza dough. And I love pizza. And Uh that was it. And then she
1: just went on with her day. And I was like, that's it? It's not Just the soft. amazing beauty of children, right? They're not indoctrinated with all this, like, not yet. you're supposed to look like this. Yeah. They're
0: also brutally honest. Sometimes it's like, oh, this is a nasty pimple you have. Like,
1: you're disgusting. Go away. <laughs> Which is also nice. I I, I think honesty is so refreshing, right? Because now I think people, too, are afraid to say, say anything to you. Except for my mom. She'll tell you as well. Do you appreciate that? I love it now. I mean, when I was in high school, I hated it. But she, you know, but now I really appreciate it.
0: I think it's hysterical. She stayed with you like three weeks.
1: Yeah, she stayed with me three weeks. Yep. When, here? Yes. Well, no, she stayed partially in a hotel sometimes, and then like the last week she stayed here. She in yeah. Maine? Yes, she lives in Maine. She's, I mean, like no other. She she came down here just I mean, to hold the baby. Like, no water. So I imagine it comes from somewhere. I love how your husband just <laughs> is it. My husband finds her hysterical too, because you know she's supposed to be here to like you know help cook or clean or whatever she would just come and sit and hold the baby. And like, she she'd be like, so what are you guys making for dinner? <laughs> You're supposed to be here for dinner. And then we'd be like, mom, you have to go do laundry. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to get on the laundry. I'm going to do, yep. Yeah, I'm going to do the laundry. And then like we had to prompt her to do, otherwise she's just here to hold the child. She's just like, oh my God, I'm here to hold my grandson. Turn on the TV. And she's like, is it time for wine? I'm like, no, we have to mom. I'm like, You know, a week postpartum, like I need, you know, know. from C-section. Yeah. She's like, oh, it's, you know, she's like, just, come. I mean, she's amazing. She's like, just come out here, kick your heels up, have a glass of wine. It'll all be fine. I'm like, in a way, I'm like, you're right. It's, you know, that's like what I need to adopt. She's like the best.
0: In another way, she's like,
1: yeah. And I'm like, but mom. Am I going to eat my
0: mushrooms tonight?
1: Yeah. Can Are you going to make anything? uh She's like, no, I'm I'm overcooking okay well, well as long as you're okay with that she's hysterical yeah and we just called her the he just started my son started solid food so we called him she's like oh my god that's so exciting he's eating solid food so can i give him pudding <laughs> no, mom, No, my mom loves sugar she'll get up in the morning and eat a piece of pie to start her day pies are and, amazing pies are underrated pies are underrated like I don't understand. My husband hates pie.
0: Everybody in my family hates. pie. Like, I just, I, I hate don't. pie too. But my mom loves it, and my husband loves it. And okay. let's go on a pie date next time. Okay. You did counseling with your husband before when you had your loss, and are you still doing counseling?
1: We do. Yes. We be. do couples therapy once a month. I mean, we have for like years, and it's amazing. It is amazing. We, I love. We love it. It's you know, your lives get busy. It's really. The only, like, hour that we kind of just, like, slow everything down and just talk about us. And it's good. It's good. And in one of your episodes, you say,
0: well, now the baby comes first for now. And I have to admit that I'm in deep trenches of not knowing when that stuff When that's I bet. When the kids stop taking over. And how do you do it's except for for counseling what did you do with your husband what changed what didn't change all the questions well
1: he's right there <laughs> like you want to talk to me on air yeah i'll tell you all he's, oh he's everywhere. used to all of it oh my god well i think you know it's funny I, we were just talking about this in therapy we you know we're s- both in such like bliss i think going through like a pregnancy loss like that like we are so happy to have him like in a way both of us just are like Let's just suck up all this time with him right now. Now we also want like two more kids. So we're we're kind of like we also realize we have to make time for ourselves. And the other part of my postpartum journey is I even with experienced moms, I did not want to leave him with anyone. I get you it. You guys, I'm sure probably felt the same way. But you know, you almost you just because they're your own, you feel like there's nobody else that can do it. And so we, you know what, we send it, we we do a lot together now. We we send him to daycare. We take some time. Like, we just had lunch together yesterday. We went and got sandwiches. So we're finding these moments to do things. It it changes everything about your relationship, though. You know, you don't—you're not getting together and having drinks and dinner and, th- you know— Dreaming and talking. And dreaming and, ta- and going for walks together. All that's, like—even, like, we were talking about how we used to snuggle together. Like, we don't do that, you know? Like, so— our therapist was talking to us about making time for those little things. And and what did those little things mean to our relationship? It kept us connected, but it's everything, right? Your, your sex life, everything changes when you have a child. It's so much more. And not like for us, we were talking about this in therapy. It's not a bad thing. Like we, we love where our lives are at. This is like what we wanted for so long, but you do have to be aware it does change. Right. And like not drifting too far apart. You're making me laugh. you're so full of wisdom. Oh well, I don't know. I mean, I screw up all the time, but which is part just of it. it,
0: and part of being full of wise, f- being full of wise, <laughs> full of wisdom. It's honest, yeah. It is honest. It'd
2: be nice if, like, instead of a baby shower, they gave you like 18 blankets you don't need. That someone was like, "Here's how it's gonna be." What are you doing? Did get a lot of blame. We have a ton of quilts. We have do a see of baby I mean? quilt. Like where people were just like, hey, I just want to drop some. It's going to be different, but it's not going to be worse. Totally. You know I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I do think, I don't know how you ladies
1: feel, but I do think sometimes we scare women, I think, as a society about childbirth and like, oh my God, your life is going to change so much. And I think people hear that. Like I hear from women and they're like, you know, I think I want to have a kid, but I'm so worried. I'm so terrified of giving birth or I'm so terrified of, you know, my life will change. And and to your point, Mara, like it changes, but it's not, it's not bad. Yeah. It's It's just like this new journey and yeah, of course you have to adjust, but it's like the bat. And also we prepare, so,
0: we prepare so much for childbirth when in fact it's like it's a day or two or three or a couple of weeks of your life. And then we don't prepare for what's coming after or we, you know, you scare people with your vagina is going to explode and yeah, it, or your belly is going to explode. And that might be the case, but you will heal. But then
1: what? You know, like. And I think to oh okay, look, I mean, every woman and this is like this plays into economics and her health. There's like this is like such a loaded, you know, thing. Yeah. But I think the more you can find an OBGYN and a high and especially if you're over thirty five, a high risk OBGYN that you like before there's an emergency, Absolutely. Then I think you'll feel comfortable in trusting their advice. Cause I think a lot of times, right, we get ourselves like the, the OBGYN that i we first met I think I I would say to anybody that's afraid like I talked to my OB about that and and find two OBGYNs that are friends or communicate together right then they're not competing you know and it's like talk about all those fears before don't wait till the day of you're giving birth and then all of a sudden you know we plan for because we had been through something it was like well what if we hemorrhage that's why they were like that your lowest risk of this is doing the C section. I wanted to have a vaginal birth because I thought it's better, you know, all that. So I mean, you I... didn't have a birth plan. You discussed it way in advance
0: with your provider, which is what it should be.
1: Yes. Yes. And so did ongoing that
0: ongoing discussion until the day of and so you feel prepared. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's glorious. And
1: you're right. And we did. And I I should say that like we did talk about it weeks. And and I did. I had to go back and forth like I was like, I don't know, maybe I should have a vaginal birth. And my husband's the one that's like, these two women are experts. They have delivered thousands of babies. If they're telling you that trying to induce and then have a baby this big is probably going to end up in a C section, you know, but, or you could just skip all that and have the C section, like have the C section. Like,
0: okay. Rapid fire. If you could describe your postpartum period as of today in one word, what would that be?
1: Shit. Roller coaster. That's one word, right? Yep. Two. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's that like a much one word.
0: Thoughts on parental leave? Oh we need more of it. And men
1: too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, partners definitely need that. Yeah.
1: Men need it too. Men go through all these emotions as well. We yep. we don't, you know, give them enough credit. Like the great fathers that are out there and they need time, you know, to bond. And not to mention, it's so hard. I mean, I'm so grateful for my husband. Like, I could never do it solo. Best tips you've received to survive this wearing period. Ask for help. Do what's best for you. You know, I, I think just take the, the pressure off of yourself. Like, you know, take all the pressure off. You're going to need more time to heal than you think. Would you have needed more than eight weeks? Because I know you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, like my business is mostly from home. I can't imagine. I, I really, I don't think I could have gone back to work till truly four month mark. Like, I, you know, just the whole thing. And
0: still, we're talking about thresholds. Like, you're not like comfortable, free, like, yeah, completely, like, ooh, I, I yeah,
1: yeah. No, I think a, a year, like having the option for a, up to a year for parents to have a, time with their kid is amazing. At least like eight months. Give like give people, yeah. Or a nine, yeah, one, yeah nine months nine. in,
0: nine months out. Yeah, there you Come go, on, guys.
1: Yeah, just do it, and
0: yeah, for the partner too. You're a pop culture queen. Any
1: accounts, TV shows that helps you or like feels nice? Okay, well, people gave me such great books. So, Baby Four One One, epic book. Baby Wise book, How We Trained Our Son to Sleep. I absolutely love it. Taking Care, Cara Babies on Instagram. She's, like, a really big following. She gives, like, great tips and tricks. Those are some of the big ones that I follow and I love. Anything that makes you happy? Like, binge watch? Oh, my God. I watch so much television. I love documentaries. I've watched, like, so many documentaries recently. The one on Brittany Murphy documentaries. There's a great one on people being canceled on HBO Max yes. that's produced by Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. It's so good. The other one is... Oh, my God. This lesbian couple in the 90s. Oh, my God. This is actually Nuclear Family. Okay, I cannot recommend this documentary. Nuclear Family is my favorite documentary probably in the past six months. It is beyond good. It's about a lesbian couple. They have two daughters like in the late 80s, early 90s, before gay couples really had any rights to kids. They got a sperm donor. They had him sign a contract that it was not their child. And he all I will tease is he comes back into the picture and takes them to court and starts deciding he wants paternity. And does he win or does he not? This was way before gay marriage. It's so good. So it's all going to go to show notes. You know, everybody needs to watch it. I love documentaries. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Faces of Postpartum, the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and rate it on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen to us. If you have any show ideas, comments, and inquiries, you can reach us at podcast at facesofpostpartum.com. We also have an Instagram at facesofpostpartum, and we
2: always love to hear from you.